Can the Supreme Court impact your life, your money, your business, your technology? Yep, it can. I'll explain it with the help of a qualified guest to offer specific insights. Yo, 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 whether you're wearing pants or not, welcome to No Pants Required. I'm your host, X3C, and thanks for joining. Today's episode, Supreme Court Impact on Your Life. On your life, yes, they have major impact on your life, you individually. Um, But before we dive into the episode, let's jump into the quickie. Today's quickie, somewhat related to today's episode, it was a burning topic of mine recently when I heard and read a few comments about (laughs) abortion bans. And I'm not laughing because of that. I'm laughing because of the irony of it. So let me explain. The government option, do you guys recall the government option for the Affordable Care Act, a.k.a. Obamacare? Well, I do. I remember when it was a very contentious moment in our politics a few years ago where the... Republican caucus in our Congress was adamant on not including the government option in the Affordable Care Act. This is before the law became a law, actually, right? This is during that whole conference and the debate back and forth. And I remember thinking, why would anyone fight to have a government option, right? You have a government option, you have your your commercial or your private market or the fair market, air quote, fair market. You have an option that at least can keep costs down or stay in line with the cost, right? It, it, there's some type of protection for the consumers by having a government option. I thought that makes total sense. However, again, the Republican caucus within Congress refused to have that option. You can glean into that whatever you like, but I can say I instantly thought it was a mistake to exclude that from the law. Well, then President Obama In order to get the law passed with bipartisanship, he decided and agreed to take the government option portion out of that law in order to get it passed. And it did pass. Right. And it it actually performed pretty well against many different challenges over the years. But the reason why I'm bringing this conversation up is about contradiction. So I thought about the folks complaining about abortions and abortion bans throughout the government, right? And and of course, we will talk a little bit more in this episode about the reach of our Supreme Court, protections of in, in at the individual level, and the balance of all of our government in general. And when I think about the abortion conversation in America, I think about how there were many saying we don't want government involved in our Healthcare. This is under the Affordable Care Act back then. That was the argument to get rid of the government option. We do not want the government. Or let me flip that around. Many commercials and and different news anchors and different individuals will go on to the night, nightly shows to speak on behalf of their air quote constituents that say, we don't want government involved in our health care. Flip that around to abortion bans, and now guess what? Government is involved in someone's health care. The irony of it is interesting to me. I just wanted to bring that part up just to just to just illustrate on how folks can be really consumed in a particular topic that they will use the exact counter argument that they use for a separate conversation previously. Very funny to me. And I'll leave it there. And that's the quickie for today, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and others. As I said earlier in the intro, Supreme Court impact on your life topic of today's episode. Um, I really want to explore the reasons for the time we get out of bed in the morning until we go to sleep at night. 
to express to you guys that court rulings are woven within our lives in, in large ways and even small ways. So in recent years, it's become very important to pay attention as Congress set forth nominations, right? Those individuals have certain type of belief systems. Um, but originally, the construction of the U.S. federal government divided our government into three branches, with each being separate from another and creating checks and balances so that one part wouldn't take over or have too much control over the other, right? It's a part of a whole system. Yet, recently, it seems political partisan have created a different utilization of filling nominations. It's become, air quote, one side versus the other side. And that was never the original intent, at least how I read into that. So that is why I invited law expert to the podcast to explore this topic and how it relates to you, your business, your technology, and your personal finance. So no pants required. Let's give it up for Willie. What's up, everyone? How's it going, Warren? Appreciate you having me. Nice to be here and uh, hopefully talk about some stuff and bring some, some information to the people, anything, I hope. At least that's my goal. That is the goal of me as well. Uh, and that is the point of the No Pants Required podcast. We are always trying to bring information with a little bit of controversy, because that's the way I like it, <laughs> to the podcast. And just to explain something um, to individuals that may be a little bit different than what we usually cover. But because um, I really try to stay out of the politic lane here, but I felt it was very important to illustrate how there are ways in which government do play a part in your personal life, your personal finance and, and who you are. And so it's very important that um, we cover this topic today. So um, if you don't mind, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you become the, the great attorney you are now. Uh, absolutely. And uh, we'll, I guess we'll just, we'll just, we'll accept the great, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, characteristic there for now, certainly, but uh, nevertheless, so about myself, yeah. So, uh, so I'm an attorney. I'm a I'm a labor law attorney. Uh, I, I do work for the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, which is uh, uh, one of the largest labor unions here in America. Represents well over a million members, probably somewhere around 1.4 million members at, at this point. Uh, in the United States, Canada, and Puerto Rico, um, and even internationally. So. Uh, that is my background. Um, I obviously must say, though, that I'm not here on behalf of the Teamsters, the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, and I'm not speaking in my role as in-house counsel, which is what, what my official title is for that organization. Uh, I'm, I'm here in my individual capacity, uh, so otherwise you can uh, just uh, reference me as, as Willie Burden, who is a lawyer who graduated from Catholic uh, law school, CUA, uh, law school here in Washington, D.C. Uh, I've been practicing for around five years now and, um, and, and certainly very passionate about uh, all things as it concerns the uh, Constitution, people's rights, and, uh, and, and certainly the economy, which is uh, in part why I chose the path I, I did. So um, that's a little bit about me. Uh, and, uh, you know, who knows, maybe there'll be more uncovered as we go. Yes, I like that. Appreciate it. Um, very large organization you represent there. That's that's pretty impressive as yes. well. Um, and so I also appreciate the disclaimer. Always want to put that out there. Um, this information is for information purposes only and um, not in any official capacity, as Willie mentioned earlier. Uh, so let, let me ask you this question. I usually ask this for first-time guests before we get into the real specifics here. Um, tell me something you think is true that almost nobody agrees with you on. Hmm. Oh, that's a tough one, Warren. Okay. What is... I mean, maybe they're not so much tough. Uh, um, I would say that... Uh, I think a, a thought of mine, particularly in my lane, and, and maybe this doesn't hold so much true anymore, but nevertheless for me, I guess it, it would be the correct answer, is that um, 
going back to my time in law school, you know, I, I recognized or, or thought that um, technology, uh, the, the pace at which technology is, is, is advancing at this point, um, brings a new challenge, something that, Ameri- that uh, not only America, but just like human uh, society in general has not experienced as it concerns transitioning from one era into another era. Uh, you know, different, like for example, when we had the Industrial Revolution, uh, you know, we had this shift to everybody from out of the fields and into the factories. But that transition was such that people were able to adopt the skills necessary to make that transition within a, a, a relatively, relatively effective time frame, allowed society to transition fully. But I believe as we're transitioning from, I guess, what is um, clearly the end of the industrial age to the tech age where we are certainly relying on technology to just about do every type of certainly service or or at least exploring having technology do just about any service that otherwise um, people would be doing. Uh, I don't know if society is ready and and, and truly understands um, the the dynamics implication of what may happen to the economy, uh, what may happen to just society in general as it concerns us in not being able to prepare people quickly uh, or in a, in a manner just as efficient as what I referenced earlier for what is to come in regards to the changing of jobs. Uh, you know, individuals are going to have to go from being managers to almost engineers to some degrees in order to be able to work with some of the technology and stuff, the algorithms and systems. And so, um, and so while we do see an increase, you know, in, in, in tech, uh, in, in the in, in tech industry as it concerns jobs, can that industry support the majority of American citizens? And, and that's something that I think that most people have just taken for granted and thought that, yeah, you know, uh, we're going to be able to survive this and things just, just transition normally as they always have over time. And um, I just don't know if that's the case this time around with artificial intelligence, uh, particularly in the advances we've just seen in over, the, in, in over the past 10 to 15 years and, and what that if that pace keeps up, what eventually could come of the workforce. So sorry for the long answer, but but I think it's a great answer. Yeah. 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 I appreciate it. Um, it actually brought a lot of thoughts to me. Um, I actually have been writing a separate episode not directly on artificial intelligence, but mostly about that. Um, there is one in particular um, that I recently discovered, and a lot it's been a, a big buzz uh, trending on Twitter actually recently. And I wanted to dive into that. And I won't dive into it on this episode, but just you guys are listening, keep posted. I will work to have an episode on uh, artificial intelligence. But I'm with you, Willie, on that. It, it, um, Years ago, Andrew Yang was, um, I believe he was a candidate uh, for um, Democratic nomination for presidency um, a few years ago. He made a comment along with Elon Musk. Both made comments similarly, not at the same time, but you know, within a year or so apart from each other. And the question was about human wages or human wage. Mm. And... I always took to that thinking it makes sense. Like at some point where technology takes over AI in a lot of the different fields that that we have in our really in the service industries, to be honest, as you mentioned, you know, as you said, the engineers was going to be the most important software engineers, um, or hardware engineers or um, anyone who's in the science fields, anyone that's in STEM in general, really, those fields are going to be the ones that are are continue to be more important and some of those other ones that we can do for example was at a car dealership and recently like yesterday (laughs) and i saw that it was um really no one in there Mm. and i was thinking how do one buy cars and i realized well hell i didn't buy my previous car at a dealership i literally bought it online um and went picked it up and i think similarly like that even you go into like mcdonald's right you go up mm-hmm. to those kiosks and that's it's not as many people in the front taking your order and i think 
over and over and over, there are going to be things being filtered out. Like, for instance, your your servers at a restaurant. You know, there are now QR codes that you scan that don't just give you the menu. They actually, you can actually order your food there and pay all by scanning your QR code that's linked to your table. And it's kind of it, right? You, mm-hmm. you eliminate almost the service people in many, many cases. You know, as you brought up earlier, and I know I'm on a little bit of a tangent, but it's a good part you brought up where we talked about the um, the industrial uh, era and how we were we had a lot of individuals, I would say, in the middle class arena. And and we automated that and or shipped those jobs out to international places mm-hmm. and we didn't replace it with anything. We were left with service work and we can't people can't support family on service working, but that's what we have left. And now I think service work is going to be gleaned out as well. Right. That's where you could cut off the bottom. Uh, those companies are going to cut off the bottom to increase their their profit margins. And and technology, I think, will do that. And so, Elon, I'm sorry, Elon and Andrew Yang said the government really have to consider all governments have to consider a human wage because at some point we may not have jobs at all mm-hmm. you know it may just be those who are doing the engineering pieces and then computers and ai may be able to replicate and do the things for us that we were doing for them i like i, I see i see danger there but I'm, I'm also a technologist and i love technology so i see hope as well but it's just i just think of caution uh when i think of all of that I, I agree with you 100%. And, you know, one thing that I think is is um, also kind of related to this little bit is, um, I mean, outside of its, its own uh, its own value for social reasons, um, a part of that service work is that you see a lot more people going into entertainment as well for that reason. And, and it's, it's, it's because, as, you, as we mentioned, uh, artificial intelligence is, is used to even make movies but yet the creativity expression expressions is something yet that uh i think is least the, the thing that that artificial intelligence is yet not encroached upon yet yeah um, right could it could it could it yeah could it come there one day that's scary to think about but possibly um and and but i think you're absolutely right and they make great points i mean that's that's the absolute truth as it concerns what are we gonna do um in regards to helping people support society because here's the other counterpoint to that is that uh businesses are not going to go back their uh on, on their budgets in regards to uh, um, assessing cost and, and, and things, and they're not going to go against uh, what is uh, would be counterintuitive to the most efficient way to do things moving forward. So when you're talking about uh, the reduction of labor, the other thing that people don't consider is that for businesses, they're considering everything from even just the insurance liability requirements that come with having employees, the other types of discriminatory laws, uh, lawsuits that come with having employees. They're looking at all these and they're assessing how many employees do they truly need at any given point as they continue to introduce this technology in segments. And I think it was, it was very, you made a very good point earlier when you were giving the examples. I liked um, the examples of the kiosk because I don't know, again, I don't know how many people, you know, have eaten at any fast food place, at least common enough to notice that, but you would notice it's been a progression actually over the mm-hmm. years. Yeah. When it first started off, they still had the person, but the person was standing beside the kiosk entering it for you and everything mm-hmm. was still fully staffed. And then they took the person away and it was just the kiosk. And then there was a person behind the counter, but still you're behind the counter was still fully staffed. Well, now they're pretty much letting you know, you walk into any place, they may have three workers, some of them even, four workers running the entire establishment, really relying on delivery uh, service to, to, to fuel a lot of their business, relying on people doing online orders, just using those few individuals to really facilitate maybe a drive-through and not really expecting anybody to come in there and almost place, place an order anymore. And if they do, it'd be again on the kiosk. 
And so it's 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 transitioning to a place where where do those people go if they cannot do entertainment, which, you know, all of us understand, you know, that's that's random selection in regards to whether we can sing, whether we can play basketball. It's just not, all of us are not afford to be entertainers. So when you do that and to your point about the service work, now you take the service work. Well, how do these people maintain to the first point I was trying to make about the business? How do you maintain life in this society, in this economy where businesses are not going to lower their prices just because they made things more efficient for themselves and get rid of labor costs? They're still going to keep the the, the, the same cost for it. Uh, McDonald's is not going to all of a sudden say, all right, Big Mac can cost four bucks again. It's not happening. Not happening. Right? Yeah. There will be no reduction in costs that's being translated to the consumer. There's going to be a reduction in in operating costs <laughs> that the company will realize as profit margins increase. Um, yes, but I don't want to dive too far in there because I, I can. <laughs> yeah. um, down that lane, um, I would try to keep myself focus here i do want to throw a bunch of different things out there that i would i started on a path of researching supreme court impact on your life specifically as it relates to like business finance and technology as i mentioned earlier and i came across several examples i'm just going to rattle them off uh, we could come back to them if you like that's fine but i just want to like just rattle them off because i found them you know just thinking about them in general so mm-hmm. One of the first ones I found was in 1967, the Supreme Court ruled in Loving versus Virginia that laws laws banning interracial marriage was unconstitutional. Right. That was like we the Supreme Court intervened at that point in and, and banned. Um, well, getting rid of the ban on interracial marriage. Right. But I started thinking, well, when did that law even take effect? Well, I found out on September 20th, 1664. In the state of Maryland, where I live now, <laughs> uh, passed the first, I cannot pronounce this word, but it was a law, anti-law that was passed back then, was intended to prevent English women from marrying African men. Real specific there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, inter- so interracial marriage was uh, fairly, at that point, which I didn't know, um, but according to this uh, research I did, was fairly common. Um, practice during the colonial era. So that's, that's, you know, folks were living their lives doing whatever they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And here come the Supreme Court jumping in and telling you, no, no, you cannot, which is mm-hmm. interesting, right? Um, the courts in 2015 ruled, um, is it Uber, uh, o, Uber G. Fell? Yeah, a burger, a burger fell. Yeah. A, a burger fell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Versus Hodges that naturalized the right for same-sex couples to marry. I remember that one vividly. Um, and then the um, Agricultural Marketing Agreement, which is very interesting, uh, Act in 1937 authorized the Secretary of Agriculture um, to promulgate uh, marketing orders. This was this is really interesting because I think this was, uh, we needed this back then. It was in particular to stabilize the, the markets for farmers, right? And the products that come out of those different um, uh, farms. And in this case, it was about raising uh, the raisins, like the actual raisins you eat. The raisin farmers, um, they didn't have to participate in the Depression era program anymore. And that was pretty much allowing the government to seize portions of their crops to keep prices stable. That, again, was related to a point in time which made it necessary. But, of course, that law stayed on the books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it may have had un, uh, unforeseen at that time because they were trying to solve an uh, issue to keep prices low during the Great Depression, but may have had greater and negative impact later on in life as the markets improved. Um, of course, we've all heard of Brown versus the Board of Education ruling in 1954 that unanimously declared it unconstitutional to have separate public schools for black and white students. Right. That really wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also a 1937 case, West Coast Hotel versus Parish, involving a hotel chambermaid, um, Ellis Parish, that paved the way for the court's ruling that Washington State, so this is in the state of Washington, minimum wage of women, <laughs> which is right, like there is a separate category for minimum wage. <laughs> minimum wages of women law was unconstitutional. Later, the court's ruling 
uh, bolster the protections against racial discrimination, sexual harassment in the workplace. And so it took, I, I'm sure it took effort and lots of time for folks to get, just to even get to the Supreme Court level in 1937. Um, 2014 court ruling, this is ABC, the, the network channel, versus um, Arrow, I believe that's how I pronounced that, uh, put a kibosh um, on a company that let people watch and record broadcast TV online for $8 a month on your tablets, phones, or other gadgets. So folks was being able to, you know, watch content on their devices and download that content. And you can watch it offline or watch it, whatever, record it, do whatever you want to do it. Right. Obviously ABC's paying lots of money to the different production companies and decided, Oh, we losing out on this. Um, this is not cool. So the court <laughs> said that the company had violated, violated copyright laws by taking the network's signal for free. So, you know, what happened to that company? Kapoop gone. <laughs> um, Speaking of TV, what do you see on TV when it comes to like these campaigns? And I have noticed recently it's like campaign barrage right up leading to the election. And I honestly avoid watching local news and local television during campaign times because it becomes obnoxious. Um, I can say in the state of Maryland, I don't see as many, to be honest with you. But I, when I visited my friends in Florida and visited my family in Louisiana, it is nonstop. And it is billboards. And you're like, what is, where am I at? Like, you feel like you're in a whole another country where it's nonstop bombardment with negative campaign ads. And again, I want to make clear to people, I don't see that much in the state of Maryland, right? Especially where I live. Like, it's, it's you just don't see it. Granted. I probably understand why, because <laughs> um, usually Maryland votes a particular way and um, just the negative energy. I just don't really get around here, but it's exhausting. Well, guess what? You can blame the Supreme Court <laughs> in 2010 Citizens United versus FEC ruling for a uh, explosion in political advertising by outside groups keyword here words by outside groups so it's not really the politician or the one who are running for that particular uh, candidate running for a seat it's outside groups can now create their own advertisements interesting I i'll leave that there um additionally i saw something where it says the courts um is frequently called on to in interpret anti-discriminatory or discrimination fair housing act uh in this term it was considering bank of america versus miami and wells fargo versus miami and this is i'm assuming the city of miami yep in which the banks are challenging the city right to sue them for predatory um predatory uh lending practices that led to i guess mad uh widespread uh, foreclosures and declining property taxes so you you have folks in the city fighting to protect their constituents and then you have banks doing things to protect their bottom line <laughs> right you know, you know there was those that's a battle there right and so i there's a lot there and then lastly i saw one and willie could jump in on any of these um but last i saw one in 2005 where the court ruled um where a city can take away a person's home to make way for shopping malls or other private development. The court gave local governments broad power to seize property to generate tax revenue. Oh, we could take your home because we're going to make more money over here. Put more than 40 states, I can say this though, more than 40 states have since taken steps to amend um, to prohibit that from happening as much. But I do recall um, the city of Atlanta doing that um, famously to create you know the type of economy and that you see there now in that particular city um very interesting how supreme court can come in and affect your life and i wanted to cover all of that just you guys just as a broad brush to cover many different topics there um how supreme court can involve and affect your life so willie what are your thoughts on all of those <laughs> 
let me tell you I, and, and, and so we we definitely have to understand that um, there's so many different nuances right and complexes that have led to where we are now I think like what's most important you know before we get super specific is that we go back and like we understand and realize that uh, truth be told you know when we made the constitution um, the reason or when the constitution was made the reason why everything seems so subjective now is because it was subjective then the birth right. of it was subjective right and 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 that's 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 so important because you know even going back and recognizing um hoping not get my years wrong but it's like something like the it's like uh um 1803 i think marbury marbury v madison is is when um judicial review was actually established it was actually the first time like it was actually a real thing that the supreme court can declare something that congress or that um something that the executive even is doing is actually unconstitutional before then we didn't even have that figured out and so what it was like a um, 1788 the constitution was ratified so think about that you know mm-hmm. like and and, and so these things develop over time and they do shift upon um, political lines that are 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 honestly um, always adapting based on whether they want to admit or not the current climate and 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 whether or not from a political sense they believe it's appropriate for them to take the step that they um, have to take uh, you know, it's, it, I think we're going to, you know, maybe get into a little bit later, but um, I think everything with what's going on with the, the, the Dobbs decision in regards to the right to abor- abortion shines such a light on the inconsistencies here where we're seeing and how now it's getting to the point where, you know, we, we sort of do claim she'll want to make the case that the the supreme court is uh, not political but um it's it's very clear it's very clear at this point that it is political and it's very clear that we have so much case law now as it concerns precedent that can be used that just about any argument can be made in any instance to do whatever you want it's just a matter of whether or not the people in power are going to accept it and, and rule it in as such and, um, and, and the reason why I bring that up is because a big part of what we talk about when we talk about our fundamental rights, things that people are like, well, I thought these things were fundamental rights. Why are they, you know, why are they being questioned? Whether it be, you know, the right to abortion, uh, same-sex marriage, uh, any number, any number of the different laws um, that, uh, that, that, that are now, um, potentially coming into a question you mentioned like a burger fell well that's because all these were codified in supreme court decisions and and the reason why they are able to attack abortion at least they the reason that they've used i should say to attack abortion is that abortion is not explicitly written as a fundamental right into the constitution but quite frankly many of those things are not written um, right as a fundamental right uh the Clarence Thomas, of all people, of all people, a, yeah, took an opportunity to highlight that, particularly in his uh, uh, opinion, as it concerns that decision, uh, essentially prodding the court to explore all of those areas. Um, and, and you know, and um, interestingly enough, though he, he left loving off of his list, um, which, of course, we know that he's in an interracial marriage. So correct. I'm not, correct. Not, you know, not uh, you can take that for what you want, but nevertheless, uh, I think we're making the point here. And, and and you're right. Also, as it concerns, you mentioned eminent domain. It's the same thing. It's more so it gives just a lot of subjective power to the courts to decide. Hmm, you know, as long as they, it's a pretty much born as long as it's they can identify public use and they give you judge compensation and they don't violate your process laws which means they don't just do it they give you a hearing there's nothing that you can do about an imminent taking by the by the federal government that's just the way that it's 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 the nature of how that 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 uh, legal precedent has developed 
and 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 have what really what it's always been and so absolutely you know that's another thing that uh can be questioned can be changed it's not something that's set in stone like any of this stuff if we're being honest and um and, and so i think that's you know just to leave it there i think um you know for now i think that's that's what we must understand as it concerns a lot of this stuff yeah it's um <clears throat> it's interesting i have like a lot of different emotions and thoughts when i think of these different topics and how the reach of our supreme court but then i also think of hopeful also because we also have freedoms and protections that may be different from other places and and it's not a perfect system but it is a it works for the most part pretty well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um i think there are the part where it's becoming partisan which is which is it have me thinking do we need to make a change is there a, recognizing that we are in the climate oh, excuse me that we are in is there a change that is needed with the structure size of our supreme court is there for example is there a change with our um executive branch uh, do we need you know a different type of uh in our legislative branch i should say actually do we need a different type of two-party system right is it something more that we should have or is more too many damn options <laughs> mm-hmm. um because i don't have an answer i'm just like i i do like to explore different options out there uh just for purposes of, of folks coming outside of their own shell um i'm not an advocate for either one i'm not even an advocate for not keeping what it is it's, it's kind of sort of worked a lot it's slow working a lot um, but I think it's time for maybe just consideration, right? We've had amendments to our constitution before, right? And it it never fails whenever one brings up the word constitution. It's it's our governing doctrine, if you will. And what or how to make changes or to it to constitution? I mean, the level of effort. I just don't see it ever changing. So when something becomes in the Constitution, it's there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we are stuck with it. Um, Like back then, uh, obviously the most famous one, right? The the right to bear arms. You know, um, we get why it was needed at the time it was incorporated. Is it still necessary? And so you think to yourself, can our country... Supreme Court change to better serve today's climate. Um, hmm. That's what I kind of think about. Hmm. Hmm. You know, I, I and I think the the answer to that is is finds a historical has a historical um, base at least that we can base a, at least try to find an answer solution for. And that is, you know, when you look at over the course of history, um, like I think the last one, so so you look at the the FDR and the the New Deal, um, and then you also have um, some of what Reagan did. A lot of what Reagan did was also very transformative. But you know, just for another example, for example, I want to highlight the the New Deal when there, there was the last time there was really true argument around okay we're gonna pack the courts uh, if, if we, we some significant change needs to happen is what basically the administration at that time uh fdr his campaign at least was that he needed to implement radical change in order to transform the country and in the the support uh, behind him was such that he was able to get a lot of things implemented even with just the threat of doing something like packing the court um, and and but the the threat only I think was astute about the point is that the threat uh, was only effective because the threat could be accomplished based mm-hmm. on certain support in certain area and I think that's what we have to understand now as it connects to an earlier point you made 
Um, I personally don't think that either one of these parties can inspire enough support from any group of the society to pull something like that off. Hmm. Um, and, and, and that's and that's the honest truth about why really we're in a, a, a stagnation as it concerns because neither one of these parties truly inspire anyone. And honestly, for I would ask most people to really consider and think about this when they when they um, answer your question in regards to uh, is the two party system working Um, for the, I guess, 20, probably and maybe even less than six percent of those people when we really who are really actually um, engaged in uh, elections to the extent that you also vote in your primaries, um, how many of those particularly people that have voted at least for two or three cycles how many times has the person that you voted for in the primaries actually even had an opportunity to run for president and uh how many times have you seen probably the person that was um fourth or fifth or sixth place otherwise um in the race up to some point uh through means not of, of of the will of the people, but through means of uh, c- collusion between either the RNC or the DNC, they prompt one person up, thus eliminating all choices for us to select from except for that one individual. Right. I mean, and, 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 and so if, if this is truly a democracy, um, wouldn't you rather us have one i would rather at least for me i would rather have one big election with 10 people uh and then have the best person win than have an election with two people neither one of which anyone really likes we just have to choose one of those because the people have decided that the parties excuse me have decided that that's who we're going to have up there and um that leads to so much turmoil in society because both 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 whether it be from a, on a political spectrum both sides of the society tend to then blame the other side for w- having that candidate be the candidate that uh represents them and their ideals when in reality most people didn't support either one of them right and 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 that's the the truth also that we must acknowledge about our system and you know for me i think absolutely we need more parties i i, I have something that i supported for a long time we have well, it's funny more parties. it's funny that you say that i i wasn't planning to talk about this part but i, I feel like i interject this piece in here um i recently was a, a part of uh, a conversation where we talked about uh bigotry and microaggressions mm-hmm. and Here's a, some stats, and and I, this, I really I want everyone to really just listen in and visualize these numbers. Eighty percent of tenured positions in higher education are white males. Eighty percent of the House of Representatives in our Congress are white males. Eighty to eighty-five percent not white males, but are white in our U.S. Senate. 92% are of our Forbes 400 executive CEOs are white males. Oh, this whole thing is about white males. Take that back. Yes, it is. Um, 99% of athletic team owners on white males. Uh, I just threw it out there. 90% of public school superintendents are white males. 97.7% of U.S. presidents are white males. Reason why I brought this up, and I think this fits this conversation, is that white males make up 33% of our population, but yet they are in control. As I mentioned, 80 to 99.9% of all these different categories I mentioned earlier. I think the reason why the two-party system really doesn't work is because we're not the people are not being represented. There, it's been represented by a small, not a small, but a third of our population is governing all of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably why a lot of people feel like it's not working for them and their voice is not being heard because it's probably not 
Yeah. You know, and, and I get it, right? And then you throw it in the Supreme Court for today's conversation on how, you know, it relates to the average person. Well, we don't have a, a ethnic representation in our Supreme Court as well. Um, mm -hmm. We're getting there um, slowly. Um, but also, I think we have people in there that have alternative reasons. And but to your point, you said at this point, we have enough case law to fit any narrative we choose. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's what it is, right? Folks, are we, we have the information. It's all archived on electronic purposes so we can pull it up relatively easily. And we can literally find something to fit our narrative. And that's where it gets a little scary for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I even think about the movie I, Robot. It's oh, one of my yes. favorite movies. And how the three law system in that movie worked, right? The robots can't harm humans. The robots must respect or listen to humans. And I think what the third one was, or the second one was, you can't, you can't mess with the sec first one. And it was always like this do-loop circle. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I used to think about this because I remember a while ago, um, the state of Arkansas had passed a law where transgendered kids or I guess, yeah, kids. I think those under, was it kids? I believe it was kids. If I'm wrong, maybe it wasn't kids. It was just maybe adults. Couldn't receive medical I guess just they couldn't receive uh, medical medical help in general. Like they couldn't go to a hospital in the state of Arkansas. I, I want to get this right. I may have to look this up. In the state of Arkansas, like their they healthcare was air quote banned, if you will, um, because they were transgendered. And I was thinking to myself, why do we even create this law? Like, like if I think about the iRobot movie, laws should be there as you mentioned earlier to protect the citizens right a constitution something that was so if in our constitution it's light liberty and justice for all well guess what no laws should be enacted that goes against one of those three mm -hmm. and i'm mm -hmm. thinking we we can simplify a lot of these things now i'm not a lawyer you are <laughs> but you know i'm sure there's a lot of challenges all around but like if there's ways to protect humanity i think that is the way we go about this yeah no i think you're right and you're hitting on i think the purpose right that that is the purpose and um you know a big part of this which is a hey, why you are uh, you know commends to you for doing the podcast to for me a lot of it goes back to just simply education i mean so many people um don't understand how these institutions work and they, they don't understand it and you have to it's a it's it's really a shame but it really has also developed to a point where yeah like you really don't have um much of a chance of fully understanding the system unless you go to law school and even then you're not gonna understand the whole system right but at least you uh have a, a background of knowing okay where can i go to get this information um, you develop a network of, of, of people who, who you may eventually be able to reach someone who can assist you, or it may be your expertise, area of expertise. Um, and, and so it's, it's a different society. And I think that's also goes to the uh, a point, I think, Warren, about, you know, the representation. Well, we have to acknowledge, be, um, um, acknowledge that another reason for why you need more parties is because um, you have to pay to play in, in the current system. Um, mm -hmm. You can't even really afford unless you are, uh, you know, uh, already come from money. Uh, in other words, you know, you're, you're self-made or you guess, you know, you have million dollars launch your own campaign. Otherwise, you have to go through the RNC or the DNC for funding, which means you have to be hand selected and hand picked means you have to be either prepped you have to check off all the boxes right you might, maybe you have to go to an ivy league school maybe you have to uh have worked for a certain company maybe you've been you know uh, you know come from a background where you uh, uh worked as an attorney general in a, in a democratic state maybe you're a democratic governor i'm just saying that they don't let anyone or everyone into 
the the party per se and particularly if you are going against the company lines that we know both sides adopt and so there's really not much room for disagreement we even see this play out in the parties now um, we see that with um what uh what um uh correct me if i'm wrong warren but what is the name for um um uh rashida talib and uh the it may be derogatory the name that they use to describe the progressive you know the more progressive leaning um yes members um the, from minnesota yes yes including mm -hmm. aoc as mm -hmm. well um mm -hmm. and 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 that just shows you that there really isn't much room for truly uh too much disagreement as it concerns oh, even within the yeah within the absolutely party. i i tell my friends all the time the and i i i make this clear you know i i lean a, a particular way that should be very clear for the listeners who, who've heard me speak before where I, I i i stand um but i always find a challenge and i go back to those stats i mentioned a little bit earlier when you think about the republican party it's mostly um it's mostly white americans right um and in that part this is not my stat this is this is official stats of the party um it's mostly made up of white uneducated men mm -hmm. and that usually i'm not saying that is the full case because there are the party is a diverse party just not as diverse as the other party and reason why i'm bringing that up because I think it is very, it's easier for, I want to get the word right. Um, what is the word I'm looking for? Homogenous? Is that the right word? Um, is that the word when everything is the same? Which one, what word is that? Um, where, like, um, they're all the same, right? Not the same, but they are similar values of similar upbringing, similar culture. Um, and so it's a lot easier for air quote them to get in line. I don't like even saying that, but where it's easier for them to them meaning the Republican Party to be more consistent and concise. Mm -hmm. And I always find the Republican Party to be just that. They are very, very, very consistent and concise on their message. Usually, mm -hmm. recently no, but usually they are. Mm -hmm. um, but on the other side, Democratic side, they are not. In my opinion, Democrats are literally, literally all over the place. And I would explain this to my friends. I, the reason why I think they are is because this is where the multi-party system really impacts the Democrats, I think, more than Republicans. Because you're bringing in several different ethnicities, several different cultures, and a whole bunch of damn ideals uh, <laughs> into yeah. one party. And you're saying all be the same, right? You mentioned progressives, which I'm not. You mentioned liberals. Well, I mentioned liberals, which I think I am. Mm -hmm. And then I can even give you moderates, which I know I am not. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I, that was just three. I could probably name more, but those are minimum three in the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. And we don't agree. Yep, you are absolutely right. And you're saying agree on this, to your point, candidate that was air quote hand selected. Well, we don't even like this candidate. Um, right. But what choice do you kind of have? Because you have this two party system and there's really no way to get out of it because it's the things you mentioned earlier. Yep. 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 Absolutely. And, 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 and a part of, you know, another point just to, to know and consider that we all are aware that um, many people are aware of this, but a lot of people. Um, again, whether it be just the lack of appetite for um, any type of um, huge political conflict, or, um, but they accept that this system how it is, and they just say that you should uh, play within the rules that have been defined as they are, and that's what and how it should be, and that's how it should persist. But you know, I I don't agree with that because that would also go against the principle of us continuing to push forward you know a big part about um i think that people miss about you know this conversation about america being a great country and america being one of the best countries well uh that that doesn't hold true 
in regards to America if America decides to stay still like and not approve America has to continue to evolve and change over time correct that's the only way you're gonna continue to be the world leader so all when I hear arguments you know people basically saying like well we always always done it like this before so we can't do it anyway different I mean that's a really lazy argument uh, you at least you should be uh, willing to have a conversation because the facts are not the same they're never the same Correct. Uh, Things change. Climates change. People change. Appetite change. It's it's innovation change. Right. The world changes around us. We can't have laws that are all that are outdated still on the books. Um, to be honest with you, and as we go back to the conversation of the Supreme Court, I honestly think there should be some type of governing group that does at the federal level reviews of old cases to purposefully look at them to see if they are still applicable in today's society and then those cases are then brought up to some level some court level maybe you can explain to us what appropriate level that would be where we can at that point identify is this still necessary or do we need to send it down to some other place some other organization for um alternatives or adjustments interesting you say that warren that that right is actually belongs to the people the, the people um through the and, and just for more background so the constitution does establish that uh, the the legislative congress cannot change the jurisdiction of the supreme court so while it is questioned by how many justices can go on to the supreme court they can't change the review now they can do whatever they want to some degree generally uh with the lower courts they can change the um they they, they can have some different um discretion regards deciding what courts decide uh what cases and, and you see that in examples even in your states right who are mirrored after the constitution where you have maybe a court that just does probate stuff maybe a court that just handles small claims and so so we have some 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 leeway there um you know it's possible that you could identify on the federal you could mix up the federal court system the lower court system and identify a court that would be um tasked with uh hearing and you probably could establish some type of group at least to do studies on um cases that potentially could be overturned the issue is though going back to my original point is that nothing gets into the court without having standing right you must have standing and the standing typically in most of these cases belongs to uh the people you know for standing it requires that a person must have an injury in fact right and there must be causation and that causation must be able to be uh redressed and and so the, the the injury in fact is where really most people are get kicked out of courts in a lot of a lot of cases is because even though you may see a harm or you may identify something unconstitutional if you haven't been harmed by that action you can't bring a case into court got it and so it belongs to the people in regards to the people that are actually can come up with a cognizable harm uh, in order to, to, to then bring a challenge. And then you'll see, obviously, uh, as you mentioned earlier, another thing that these nonprofits and other organizations do is obviously prop up people to help bring support to cases, right? Find some people that have harmed and then agree to support them, financially support them uh, th through, through the case because it's also very expensive to bring a case. It's not, it's not a, it's, it's obviously something that everyone can't afford to do. I mean, uh, the, 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 tip, most, the typical person can't afford to bring a case to the Supreme Court by themselves, um, not even close. And so most cases that particular interest uh, that are gonna be uh, high profile that political, um, people with political interest can use to, to, to help orchestrate the change they want to see that's where you see them jumping on behalf of individuals and they become about the people but it's hardly never about the people it's usually just being about the people to facilitate another business interest hmm. wow all right so how do people get involved right how do they get um not necessarily involved well 
yeah so, so it's about the people so how do one get involved maybe at their local level or if maybe even just awareness of what's happening or upcoming laws that could potentially impact them mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i think first and foremost i mean everybody should just uh i think it's um so the there's two websites uh certainly that i think people should should check out um so uh there's the um the uh the uh, uh supreme court.gov is it i wanted to make sure i was getting that correct i believe it's supreme court.gov it essentially uh gives you the docket for all the supreme court cases coming up and um you can use that to just track and see what cases that the supreme court's hearing the reason why that's important is just because um in most cases law's pretty settled um uh, in regards to how it's generally understood unless a new question or fact is presented like we just talked about and um, when new questions are presented uh, the courts usually let it play out within certain districts or circuits or circuits as we call it uh, usually let it play out within the circuits first and they usually in many cases wait till there's a circuit split or they just decide that the question is so important that they need to hear it now before the supreme court will even decide on it um and so but when they do decide try to decide on it it's a signal that they're going to do something in regards to changing the law and changing the law something significantly so i say that just to say that they don't the supreme court does not take cases just to say oh the lower court for the most part you decided it right like if they if they're going to actually hear a case and, and and have something to say on it they're going to change something or weigh in and so you be familiar with the website um for just tracking the Supreme Court docket. And then from there, hey, just use your resources. We live in the, come on, we live in the age of technology we talked about. A Google search is, is right. can, as simple as Google search. So uh, definitely, but definitely important to stay updated so you know it's coming out of the pipeline. A lot of times laws change and people don't even know. They don't know. Right, they don't even know, right. They're unaware. Yes. And, and, and it'd be something that, you know, you don't even know how it's affecting your life indirectly, uh, or, and which will ultimately ends up directly affecting your life. And, and, and you end up mad and upset because uh, the person that you wanted to run for president got kicked out in the primary. <laughs> <laughs> Understand. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll talk more about that one offline. Yes. Um, so uh, any thoughts that you want to share with the listeners as it relates to like the Supreme Court impact or anything we didn't cover today? Um, no, just again, I think that people should understand that uh, they are individuals. They're individuals with experience and their lifetime appointments. So, you know, in many cases, uh, I think like most of us, you know, may have experienced or know, you know, just on a personal level. When you go through transitions in life, you take a new position, you upgrade, your reality changes, your perspective changes. Or mm -hmm. maybe it doesn't change once you got into a certain um, uh, uh, culture or a certain um, uh, uh, phase of life. And so understand that the Supreme Court is no different. I mean, the reason why they appoint young people individuals who they believe are set in a certain way of thinking is because then they expect that to hold things as it is for generations to come at least decades to come mm -hmm. and so um and so you know just understand that uh, that 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 reality is not going to change um without uh drastic drastic uh, uh change and so um and and and, and i don't think um you know, while it's, while it's important, people key in and weigh in on what the Supreme Court is doing. I think what's most important, one I didn't mention this, I have not said this yet, is that um, what the Supreme Court is doing is important. But even Supreme Court has limits in the sense that it's more than likely that something that you may be um, upset or frustrated about as it concerns maybe like... Uh, something going on within your um, life is probably probably I'd even say like 80 to 90% of the time 
something that may be able to be fixed at the local level as opposed to relying on the federal government or looking to the federal government or Supreme Court to, to step in and save you. So get involved locally, get involved at your city, get involved at your state level. People even seeing with the abortion, uh, with, the, with, the, with the abortion law as it concerns the Dobbs decision, well, then immediately states began putting referendum out and overwhelmingly people across the country are solidifying that right in their state. And so that's just another point to say that get involved locally. A lot of times a solution for your, your problem may be able to found there, which is not easier to uh, approach, a lot easier to get involved in and a lot easier to foster change than getting lost in this, uh, this, this, mess that we just talked about as it concerns <laughs> our federal system so right right well thank you willie for joining the podcast um for the listeners stay tuned to next week's episode of no pants required where willie will be joining us again to talk about one of my favorite topics defund unions <laughs> <laughs> so okay friends good chat until next week um remember positive vibes leads to positive energy and vice versa. Don't forget to subscribe if this is your first time joining. No Pants Required can be found on Google Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Peace. Mm-hmm.